The Free for All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer. Near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. On the panel, Pavan Brach is here. Entrepreneur in marketing, tech, and real estate development. And never forget, also a part-time farmer. Courtney Betty, Toronto lawyer with Betty's Law. And Vass Bednar is the executive director of the Master of Public Policy degree in Digital Society at McMaster University. Let's start with the newest and perhaps biggest story, and that would be that apparently there are signals at Queen's Park that the Ford administration is willing to go ahead with the uploading of the Gardner and the Don Valley Parkway. Courtney Betty, I'll start with you. We learned this from Anna Bailau, who pointed, pointed towards uh, very fine coverage in the Toronto Star. Um, but I guess Anna Bailau gets to crow a bit. She suggested this. People said it was a dumb idea, and now it might happen. Well, you know, I, I think it's going to be a great idea, John, if we can address at least one of the significant issues that's really just literally bogging down our city. And so if we can get this done, um, you know, the, the premier right now needs some positive things happening. And uh, if he's able to begin to use this to turn things around, that will be amazing for all of Toronto. Vas Bednar, we're talking major money here. I mean, this takes all kinds of uh, project, uh, you know, improvements and renovations and stuff out of the hands of Toronto and hands it over to the province. Right. I mean, it also addresses not just the need for, for positive press, but this kind of fiscal difference between the province and the city, right? And we've been criticizing the province for uh, having so much surplus funds that they weren't being directed properly, that we're not investing enough in health. So this is a way for the premier to sort of demonstrate a significant reallocation of some funds as an investment in Toronto and to, you know, start a very hopefully positive and fruitful collaborative relationship with with a new mayor. Pavan, hard to overstate uh, how much of a difference this might end up making for Toronto's finances. Yeah, it's financially huge. And I think I do agree with everybody else. It's it's entirely appropriate. This is something that, that makes sense. They should do the same for health care, for mental health and homelessness. But I think I think the most significant opportunity now for Doug Ford, if if this story is true, is for him to set out how he's going to properly manage this because he's faced so much controversy with the Greenbelt disposition of lands. He's faced controversy with Ontario Place, and uh, he needs to make a, a clean break and talk about how when he does this, he's going to properly manage the process and, and the vendors involved. Yesterday, high school students staged protests. Uh, they were pro-Palestinian protests. They were observing that they felt that the Palestinian story wasn't being told in schools. Vaz Bednar, you work in an educational setting, not a high school, but an educational setting with younger yeah, people okay. in all likelihood. Um, I, I, do you think that they actually were you know, committed to this protest or were they committed to taking an afternoon off school? I think that young people are trying to express, you know, perspectives, views, trying trying things on. I think when we've seen this generation is very uh, engaged, but is able to mobilize quite quickly through how they connect on, on various social media platforms. So, you know, do, do I think that these teenagers have long held these views and that this is now their opportunity to express them? No, I think that they are, are mm, probably expressing something that feels risky or, or radical, uh, because of, you know, what it, what it, 
uh, generates in, in terms of feedback. That's that's kind of my quick take. Okay, Pavan Brach is true. I got a text from a Jewish friend of mine yesterday, and he said, where were all the pro-Palestinian supporters on the 6th of October? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the world was in shock on that day. Um, and didn't have time to, to step out. And, and, and I think we're all still sorting out. It's such a confusing situation with obviously lots of lots of complexity and, and, and innocent lives on all sides being lost. But I think peaceful protest is fine. Public participation is important. And, uh, you know, but uh, I would draw the line if it gets nasty. That's just not acceptable. Yeah, I didn't see any signs of that, Courtney Betty. But, uh, you know, there were certainly numerous people and they were taking the afternoon off school. And the school said there was nothing they could do about them. They just marked them out. Well, there are a couple of points, John. I think, first of all, um, the students have stated that, you know, real condemnation for what happened. Um, But here's, to me, an incredible opportunity, John, to start having some dialogue. You know, these young people are going to be around for a long time. And we don't want the damage. We, We know that right now we're in a state of crisis. But at some point, we've got to start having the dialogue. And I think having it in high schools is a great place um, and, and, and a good starting point. And so the schools, to some extent, I think, have got to begin to facilitate those discussions to bring people together. We can't continue having the fragmentation that we're seeing taking place. It's just going to be long-term damage for everyone involved. Although, you know, Courtney, Betty, let me come back at you on this one. I mean, I I don't want to shut the causes out of the schools, but I also wonder, you know, are teachers equipped to be able to lead a discussion on this sort of thing? Are they going to get into political minefields? Is it going to turn into trouble with parents from one group or another? Uh, it, It probably could, you know, John, but where do we begin? At some point in time, we've got to be able to have a dialogue to move forward, right? So I don't know whether, you know, the schools is capable, but I think starting with young people, because otherwise, you know, a lot of the, the, the you know, the battle have been drawn already in the trenches. We got to start maybe with the young people and maybe try and create a new vision. Okay, Pavan Brach, let me start with you, because I think you've been animated on this particular issue in the past, and that is the liberals out of nowhere suddenly coming up with new ideas for the carbon tax. And the place where they will apply are the places where they were probably going to lose seats over the taxing of home heating oil. This seems uh, somewhat craven. It it uh, it looks completely craven, and um, you know it's it's actually just it's very upsetting on many different levels. I mean, first of all, I I do think that giving Canadians relief when they're facing you know they're being penalized with high interest rates for inflation, and where carbon taxes amount to you know close to fourteen percent of of uh, fuel costs across the board. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of progressive countries, as I pointed out previously around the world, have temporarily made some changes to ease the pressure on the cost of food and the other things that are then being addressed by higher interest rates. So I, I do think it makes sense. But if you if you if you drill into his announcement, he's giving, you know, some very special uh, kind of concessions to the Atlantic provinces where he does hold significant seats. Um, and um, and and ironically, he's giving concessions for the dirtiest fuel possible, 
which is he- home heating oil. So yeah. if you if you live in a rural area as we do, uh, the options are two. It's well, three actually. It's heating oil, it's propane, uh, or it's geothermal. And in this case, he's gone and given the credit just to oil. So if you've chosen to switch to cleaner propane, you're out of luck. But I think, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, finish your thought. And I, and I, but I, and I think the other thing that's sad is that he's he's basically giving away, uh, you know, starting to give away heat pumps and talking about geothermal, which is the you know the ability to leverage uh, heat to take the heat from the ground and put it in your house during the winter and in the summer the opposite for cooling. But the point is, is that you know Justin Trudeau, who is such a carbon warrior, has really failed to get. Canada ready to install this kind of technology to to build up the ability to install heat pumps geothermal across rural areas in Canada and I think uh, you know he's in his eight years he's missed a massive opportunity to to positively impact carbon and reduce costs for consumers so I think it's just a total miss mess and he's pandering to the Atlantic provinces for obvious reasons ignored in all of this though as Bednar is the whole idea of a carbon tax was to make things more expensive and then people would change their behaviors. So if Justin Trudeau relents here, then he's probably going to relent on everything. And when Pierre Polyev tears the whole program up, no one's going to care. Well, some people have said, yeah, this is a big risk that it's a slippery slope. A a different way of looking at it is also, you know, we are so stuck on universal policy implementation in Canada, right? Think of the CERB during the pandemic. We did nothing to actually acknowledge the variance in the cost of living across Canada. We gave a blunt lump sum to everyone. And that, you know, few thousand dollars was very different in Toronto than in an Atlantic province, et cetera, et cetera. So I think they're demonstrating maybe a little bit late, that they're listening to people's concerns, that they're being really mindful in this really expensive time. They're not eliminating it forever. They're delaying how they're implementing this. And they're creating more uh, coverage, more kind of government subsidy, slightly more for people uh, to switch to heat pumps. So, you know, is it a, is it a, you know, fumbling concession that is embarrassing? I don't think so. But when you look back at that, how committed are they to, to greening Canada's economy? This government has done a lot in that regard. So I wasn't, you know, I felt disappointed but when I, the more I looked into it, I thought there is some some logic here that I can follow quite easily. Okay, Courtney, Betty, whenever a government flip-flops on what they may consider to be core values, it's considered either a sign of wisdom or a sign of craven pandering. Where do you see it? Well, I, I, think, it's, I think it's both, John. Um, you know, on the one hand, there is the political pandering that's taking place and targeting the areas that the liberals need support on. But John, on the other hand, there's so many people that are hurting right now, right across our country. And so we've got to start looking at whatever can be done. And sometimes it means that we've got to take a step back on existing policies as we try and address the urgency of now. And not a lot of time on the clock, but uh, Pavan, I'll start with you on this Buffy St. Marie business. I don't know why the Fifth Estate feels this woman who's retired and in her 80s needs to be annoyed about the fact that even she doesn't know if she's actually Indigenous by birth. I think, you know, leave leave Buffy alone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, it's so complicated. The poor, the, the you know, this individual was adopted in 1941 um, under unknown circumstances, and uh, you know, her, her mother assumed an identity of be, of being of Native Indian descent, uh, and and so she was raised. So I don't know. It's so confusing. I mean, I don't know that uh, she's done anything intentionally. She's per, she's kind of kind uh, of vague on her website. So yeah, let, I think it's time to leave her alone and enjoy retirement. Yeah, Courtney Betty, I don't think this is the same as people who fake the whole thing. Uh, she believed she was indigenous. She's actually been adopted now by indigenous people. So, you know, kind of, I come back to leave Buffy alone. I, I'm with you 100%, John, as I kept on looking at the story upside down and turning it around. I mean, you know, whatever she's done, she's at least been able to keep the culture alive. Let's just move on. I mean, there's so many other stories that the Fifth Estate could be looking at right now. Okay, we're going to call it there. Thank you all. Good to have you. Pavan Brach, Vas Bednar, and Courtney Betty. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.